Hi, friends. Just a quick note before we jump into this week's episode. Instride is brought to you by Ride IQ. Ride IQ is a first of its kind equestrian coaching platform that will transform your independent schooling rides. Ride IQ members get access to the private mobile app with hundreds of on demand listen while you ride audio lessons, top by top eventing, jumper, and dressage coaches. And since you like podcasts, the Ride IQ app also includes over 100 exclusive podcast episodes to keep you company during your hack your commute, your barn chores, or whatever it is you do while you listen. Membership is only $29.99 per month, and every membership automatically includes a two-week unlimited access free trial. Get started by downloading the Ride IQ mobile app on iPhone or Android. On today's episode of In Stride, Sinead talks with five-star event rider Lillian Hurd. Lillian grew up in a small town in Maryland and was introduced to eventing through Seneca Valley Pony Club. After high school, she went on to work for five-star event rider Jan Binney while she attended University of Virginia. Her plan to go to law school after getting her undergraduate degree changed when she bought a very special horse named Share Option, or Whitey. Whitey took her on a different path. Together, Lillian and Whitey went up the levels together and ultimately went around their first five-star together. Whitey is the first of multiple horses Lillian has brought up the levels of eventing. Today, she rents a barn from her longtime coach and mentor, Boyd Martin, at Windura in Pennsylvania. Sinead and Lillian are talking about facing fear after injury. We hope you enjoy this episode. started and we're already laughing so I'm excited for everybody to enjoy this next hour and a bit with uh with Lillian Hurd who's joining us today and she is in where are you where are you Cochranville Pennsylvania Cochranville Pennsylvania the mecca of horse sports this time of year right everybody that's right except we're all about to go to Canada for Vermont so I know, I know the migration. We were thinking about going up there and then we had one horse that got like a hot nail and we were like, not going. <laughs> um, but it's quite a bit of a ways from Ocala. It's a little yeah, closer. A little bit closer. Yeah, it won't be too bad for us. <laughs> um, so you are based out of Boyd's farm, right? Boyd and Silva's barn and you live down the road. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're, like, how long have you been there? How long have you been based there? Because you were in Maryland for a while. That's right. I think it's actually been um five years maybe a little more I know it seems like I just moved up here but it's been a while um I rent a barn from Boyd it's right next door um and I hack over and use this facility and he's mm, still my coach and it's a pretty incredible place to train even if um I wasn't riding with him but I ride with him in Silva And obviously there's like just so many really awesome opportunities for training horses in this area. So um, I feel like I'm in a really good place to to try and achieve my goals. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty amazing, actually. I mean, I I haven't been there in a while, but when I used to live in New Jersey, I would drive down and go cross country schooling at Boyd's and it was there was always so much going on. But the property is so beautiful. For anybody that hasn't been there, he's got an all weather track. He's got a full cross country course. He's got an all weather dressage ring with mirrors and all weather show jumping. Right. Am I forgetting so, now an indoor and now right? an indoor and like a really incredible indoor. So yes. um, it's, it's basically got everything that you could possibly need, especially, I mean, the, the best part is that cross country course. It's really, yeah. I always joke 
to like my students, I don't know how other people get ready for these events without living at Windura. Like we cross country school a lot. I don't know how other people do it, but um, I don't. I yeah. I I was thinking that this morning we um we drove over. We took a couple horses down the road to the Coleman's, and they've got a good cross country place, good cross country field here in Ocala. But I was thinking that exact same thing. I'm like, God, how nice would it be just to be able to every time have the option of going and jumping off a bank or to, you know, I mean, I guess I wouldn't, I, I'm always terrified cross-country schooling. Well, <laughs> so am I. I hate cross-country schooling. Yeah. Um, but like, you don't have an excuse not to do it. Like, you can't be like, well, you know, I don't want to put my horse on the trailer again. When really what you're thinking is, I'm terrified of cross-country schooling. I don't want to do it. So you, you actually force yourself to do it yeah. when you should, because you yeah. can't get out of doing it. It's right there. Yeah, totally. And the other thing that is, is really nice that I was, I was, I think Carl Hester wrote something I read, you know, on social media the other day. And he was talking about, he basically said that you should always have a coach with you. Like you should always have someone watching you. And I thought, I started thinking about it in, in different sports and different contexts is that, yeah, like in professional baseball, basketball, tennis, like you always have a coach watching you. I mean, yeah, you'll go and hit some balls or do whatever, you know, by yourself randomly, but 90% of your training is under the eyes of someone making sure your, your smallest technique or your philosophy or everything is intact. And, and we actually don't do that that much once you become a professional in this sport, but actually you really seem like you're around your coaches pretty much every day. Yeah. It's always good to, and like, even if like, you know, I'm riding around Boyd, around Silva, around like all these other really great riders are always there. Um, <clears throat> Eric Devander's there, you know, like other people's coaches, like it's just people are there. Even if they're not actually watching me at that time, like most of the time Boyd's mm -hmm. there, he's riding his own horses and he's laser focused. But just being around that, like I'm not going to, like if you know people are watching you or mm -hmm. there, you're not going to goof off. Like even... You know, like sometimes I'll be like, huh, that, that, that's probably good enough. And then I think, you know, I think I've only been riding this horse for 20 minutes and like Boyd's in the mm -hmm. ring and he's going to notice if I stop. So I better, I better keep <laughs> going. So like, it keeps you honest when, when yeah. the people who you rely on to help make you better are just kind of keeping an eye on you or noticing what you're doing. Like you, yeah. you're, you, you try to stay the course and work as hard as you can to be good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's, that's uh, underutilized asset probably here I was just thinking this morning I'm like when because I recently just had a fall cross-country schooling and broke my collarbone and a couple of ribs and I thought you know when I mend from this I think what I want to do this summer is just honestly a couple times load up my horses maybe three or four times a week and just go ride um you know with some of the other professionals in the area I mean I'm very fortunate that you know that similar to you your your fiance is a upper level rider my husband is a wonderful rider so we're around each other but also right. it's, when it's your partner it's a little bit different totally <laughs> you can't say as much yeah you know? totally uh, so just being around that has to actually be just equally as amazing as those facilities how how does it work with like your business and coaching and teaching or, or you know how how do you manage all of that in and out of somebody else's facility it's great um it it what it was hard in the beginning. We didn't quite have like a, a routine to figure out how can I teach all my students and then boy yeah. needs to teach his shipping students and then he's jumping and then I'm jumping. Now 
like when I like work at like clockwork every morning we call each other. We ask, what are you doing with the, who, who do you need to jump today? What's your plan? And we basically book out the ring. Like he goes, I'll jump till noon and then you jump till three or I'll go, I've got to leave mm-hmm. midday. Can I do? So it's like, it wow. takes some organization, but we, we like basically run each other's schedules uh, by each other every morning in order to, because I don't want to be teaching some novice level horse while Boyd's trying to school Sesterleg, you know, like right. he was always like, let's just share the ring. And I'm like, I, <laughs> I heard you're, you might be okay with that, but I get so nervous. I'm like, yeah. I don't want to be here for this. You know, this I'm, yeah. I'm messing up what he's doing. And honestly, he also doesn't want me there for that. So um, we, we like basically put a lot of work in to make sure we all have the time we need in the ring, which wow. is great. And then across the country kind of works because nobody, yeah, you have so much room. And like, was that, how did you guys come up with that? Was that a vision of boys? Was he like, Hey Lil, you should, I mean, I know he's always had other professionals. No, this was a vision of you. You had this vision. You're like, this is what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just, I kept like, I didn't want to be in his way. Like, uh, yeah. At the end of the day, uh, you know, I started as Boyd's working student and worked for him for years, five years, something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, At the end of the day, he's always going to, like be my my boss you know like that's what it feels mm-hmm. like even though I'm his just his renter now he's my coach so like if you work for somebody and you're in their way in the jump ring you are doing a really yeah. bad job at your job so it made me so uncomfortable <laughs> I mean I didn't I didn't say put it that way to him but I, I was like yeah. I do not want to be in your way in this jump ring yeah um and it's hard because I make my schedule the day before you know or days yeah. before I've got to tell all my students and boy you know, he's tr- just training his own horses. He rarely has a schedule in advance. So I actually think I, in, in fairness of what I make his life a little bit harder because he has to plan now mm-hmm. and more in advance to tell me what he's doing. Um, but now that that might, I, you might be a favorite of his staff then. Exactly. They probably really appreciate I'm that. Everybody. I'm <laughs> um, so it, it, it was more like born out of me being so anxious about being in his way than mm-hmm. anything else. And now it's just so much better because we like can communicate and have everything. So nobody's ever yeah. feeling like they need to rush through jumping a horse. Cause there's nothing worse. Like, yeah. you know, when you're halfway through a jump school and it's not quite going the way you want, you think, God, it'd be good to just go back to that, you know, warm up vertical and spend a minute, figure out what's going on. But if you feel like you don't have time for that, like mm-hmm. that's the worst thing. And you might as well not be jumping. Yeah. So, um, yeah it's nice now that we, that we have it sort of organized that way. And were you the first, I know he's had professionals kind of working for him, but are you the first person that's really been and shared the property and had yeah. this? Yeah. So yeah, how did so that, that happen? The, 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 the place that he bought next door was like in a, an old sort of a, not abandoned, that's a little bit dramatic, but uh, <laughs> it, the building had not been occupied for a very long time. It was a, a school. And we call it the schoolhouse. Um, and he bought that and renovated it into stalls. And I moved in like while they were still renovating it. I was like, <laughs> now, I mean, I remember like he had just got the paddocks up and I was like I'm walking here. my horse. Into the <laughs> um, so it was way smaller when I first started. He's like added things and built new things and made it awesome. Um, 
and so I was the first person to that he ever did this with, and it was more because of the he bought this property, not like him being mm-hmm. like, oh, I want to have Lillian here. It was like I have this property and I need someone. Lillian, you need to be here. But I, I it was right. a very good move for me to go there. So we've sort of figured it out together. I think, you know, the next person that eventually goes into that um, farm barn will, you know, probably like Boyle probably maintain a lot of the like things that we've come up with to make it work to have yeah and he's always shared his facility with silva so like he has some mm-hmm. experience of sharing with a different professional because silva's got her whole own business but obviously that's not the jump ring so you know right. we had to add in how do you manage big two big professional barns trying to share a jump ring but we do yeah. a great of it now so it's awesome yeah that's so cool so how big is your how many horses have you got at your at your place um i think i have 28 do you really so many like too many yeah too many and are those like do you are those a lot of students clients like what what yeah yeah. it's mostly students so i've got um seven that are like mine to ride and compete Mm -hmm. oh well six i was counting whitey he's 22 and retired but (laughs) no he doesn't he he flats but i own him Um, and then i've got six girls that work for me so they're horses mm-hmm. and then the rest of them are students I think all of them are students I don't even have any yeah. sales horses or horses in for training like it's all right. um, people that live nearby or live a little bit of ways away and drive up to ride with me and they're all you know the various levels like a mostly kind of prelim intermediate advanced level mm-hmm. students but I've got even like some lower level um, amateurs as well that train with me. That's wild. And is that like a full board situation, training yeah. situation or that? Yeah. They don't exactly self care. Yeah. Yeah. You manage yeah, it's the whole like thing. you're all, I mean, I'm telling them what to do every day, write it in the mm-hmm. book. Like they're under complete LGH control. <laughs> Whether they want it or not. <laughs> they get it. I think yeah. that's awesome. I mean, it's, it's, it actually, you know, it's pretty unique now for people to really do that. You know, most people either have their small focus group or people are shipping in for lessons where, where there's so many, especially like in the young riders or upcoming professionals, young professionals that really need a program to be in. And since working student, like when you and I, I think when you and I really first met, I think you were working for Jan and I think I had just come back from England, but you know, you were in that program and then you were in Boyd's program, but you've got to be like, in programs for a while to kind of get the whole picture the whole gist take what you want leave what you don't and it doesn't seem like that many people are doing that now so it's more now that you've kind of morphed it into that where people actually still have their system and their days and their horses taken care of and so they can learn that way seems to be kind of actually still pretty unique I don't really know too many other people that do that totally yeah and I think like um you know I have a lot of my students they're in school so they couldn't be a working student they couldn't go like do that even though they probably would love to so Mm -hmm. it's a way to like get that kind of like immersive like put it all in the pot what happens type of working student experience Mm -hmm. um that but to like be in school or be being like a lot of them do online stuff so they can go with myself um i think it's unusual because um, like there are a lot of professionals that aren't willing to take on this many yeah. people. You know, yeah. it's not, 
it like I I don't I think it's unusual because people don't people that are riding at the top level maybe don't necessarily think they have the time to also have 10 upper level students wandering right. around the barn and asking for I mean I don't I don't think they I don't think there is the time how are you doing that <laughs> a lot like, of, I would I would agree with them <laughs> there's a lot of unused hours in the day you don't know about <laughs> so, uh, I think because they're advanced most of them they don't need as much hand holding like they mm-hmm. can if I'm gone, well, I feel pretty bad for them this month because I've been gone. You know, I went to badminton and I went to Tryon and I'm going to Bromont. So they, sometimes they're definitely, I'm like, oh, gosh, you guys really need some more lessons. I better. But right. then like I was home this week and I taught everybody as many lessons as you could possibly fathom. So I right. try and make up for it. Sometimes I do think they definitely get less than maybe they should because I'm gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then like while I'm gone, I'm learning things you know yeah. like going to badminton yeah. and like learning huge painful life lessons and I bring <laughs> yeah. that home to them so like yeah there's a trade-off you know, there's a trade-off um mm-hmm. but yeah it's pretty busy <laughs> yeah that is awesome well I I'm circling back to badminton I kind of I was sitting today and I was thinking like what do I want to talk to Lillian about there's so much stuff that we could talk about and um so I thought about the the thing that's been on my mind lately um, like I said earlier, I, I think you were one of the first people I called after I broke my collarbone a week ago, because I remember you breaking your collarbone a couple times. And you said, if you need any advice, give me a call. Um, so I was on the phone with you quite quickly. And I, I think one of those things, you know, that can have so many degrees of whether it's just like not a big deal to incredibly severe, like the range of falls that you can have are so it's so amazing right like you can pop off and you, like there's been times that I've fallen off and like at the end of the day I've totally forgotten because it was totally. like so quick not because I've concussed but because it's like been so quick that it, and it was so irrelevant and then there are falls that you know are like months later you're still trying to recover from and you know you went over for Babin and you were having like a phenomenal round Barnaby was like like peaking you know like he looks so amazing and then you know a s- silly you know unfortunate you got off real quick before the end <laughs> you know, you know, course. <laughs> yeah yeah why, why didn't she just start off um <laughs> you know and you have this fall after all of the the work and effort and money and everything to get over there and then you don't even have two seconds to think about it you're back at try on and can you talk a little bit about that kind of the mental side of of that um and how you prepare for it how you recover from it how you deal with that with you know your all the pressure that comes with like something like badminton compared yeah. to like popping off in your backyard. <laughs> yeah, totally. So I've had a lot of bad, not a lot, but my fair share of bad falls. Um, the one at badminton was goofy. It didn't hurt at all. Um, mm-hmm. So I wouldn't actually classify that as one of the bad ones that I had to like mm-hmm. figure out how to get over more like <clears throat> get over my like disappointment of it happening yeah. and my like, the steps that led up to it. Like, I'm like, Oh, I should have ridden that better. What was I doing? That type of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. but I definitely have also had falls where, um, even if they weren't that like physically bad, but for some reason, the circumstances around them just like kind of stuck with me longer. Like, um, whether it was on that horse, like I've got to ride that horse again next weekend. And I really don't want to fall off again. Or whether it was like, God, I've always been worried about that happening. And now it's happening. I can't forget about it happening. Um, yeah. And my students ask this all the time because I 
obviously my students fall off a bit and they're younger and they get shook and I can tell they're mm-hmm. shook, you know, like, like anybody. And they ask me like, what, like, what do I do? I feel, or I just go so I can tell you're anxious. Cause I can tell by the way they're riding and like, this is dumb and it's not really helpful, but it's 100% the truth. I just tell them like, and cause it's been the case for me, it's going to go away. Like that feeling yeah. is going to slowly shift away. Like it's going to take, jumping and jumping again and jumping maybe a bit smaller than you're used to jumping or a little bit easier dropping down a level if you need to or going to kind of the easier event versus a hard one but like it will just slowly drift away and it, it will we, the, the thing that you needed to learn from the situation will stick with you like I had a bad fall because I left a stride out from a down bank to a skinny um, the first time I worked my collarbone and like mm. that is not going to drift away. Like, do not leave a stride out. <laughs> but yeah. um, that like feeling of when you're like jumping and you're like, yeah. I can remember that fall while you're jumping. Like that goes away. It it always goes away. You just got to give it the time to do it. So like that's not mm-hmm. really good advice, but it's what I always think. I'm like it'll because you know I still feel that like even from badminton, I he hung a leg at the jump and twisted and he he didn't fall off, but he he fell down. I mean, I fell, fell off of him. And even that, like the last couple jumps, I've sort of thought as I'm taking off, like, oh, make sure they don't hit the jump. You know, it's kind of with me a little bit, but that's probably mm-hmm. a good thing. It should have been with me before it happened in the first place. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I don't, and I thought, God, I, I was riding a young horse this weekend at an event, and I was like holding it off the ground. Like, don't hit the front of the jump. And I thought, don't do that with a young horse. They don't need you in their face. This, that's that's silly. Little right. Thing. Like, move on. That was a five star. Yeah. At ten <laughs> on at a huge jump. Like, do not hook your poor training level horse yeah. in the mouth. So definitely, you've got to sometimes think about, um, you know, not letting it take too far. But you you'll take what you need out of it, and then the hard part will go away. So like, well, it sounds a level of you know kind of awareness that you're talking about and in listening to you talk it's so funny because I feel like I often have like those two like people in my head talking back and forth like the person that's thinking all of the like oh my god do that and the other person that's like will you just calm down down. (laughs) you know like this yeah yeah, like this is what's really happening or or actually being able to like recognize um, in the moment that you're holding the horse off the fence and you don't need to do that anymore. Like you right. can have those dialogues in, in right. the moment and just cut it out, you know, like right. I know I feel sometimes with, um, you know, with some, sometimes some of my students will get stuck because they notice they're doing the thing. And then right. that's where the, the thought stops. You know, they're like, I'm right. doing this because I'm scared. I'm like, okay don't do it then <laughs> like right. you, you know like that sounds silly but like okay so for your night you've noticed it you're aware of it so for the next time you come around technically put your hands down like I want you to feel the main the whole time right. that you're riding like right. don't let your hand you know like my biggest tell when I'm worried about something is my hands like levitate as I'm yeah. coming to the fence right like I'm like what <laughs> you know and uh, and most of the time, like you said, you can tell when somebody's anxious because there's something in their body language that right. is, is giving it away. And it's like often if you can find the tell and tell that thing to calm yeah, down. That's the thing we have to stop. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you can actually, um, you know, you're, if you can tell your body to settle down in one space, it'll calm down your mind sometimes, I find, like, you know, if you can do that. But it's, 
Um, but it is really, you know, it's really tricky. Like this fall that I just had, like, you know, when you, when you get hurt, you can't get right back on, That's you know? Problem. And so like, it's brutal. The whole ride to the hospital, you're thinking I, I quit. And then you're like, I can't wait to get back on and go fix that. And then you're like, I need a different horse. I need to learn that on the same horse. Like I'm never doing this again. Ow, that hurts. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah, totally. <laughs> I think, I think, um, like it's, it's a rare, it's not rare, but it's less normal that when you fall off or you have a bad fall that you like really can't get on for six weeks, which is the situation you're in. And that's, that's pretty tough. Um, and whenever I've had that happen, like I've just told myself, it's okay, you're going to get back on and you're going to need to take as much time as it takes to get comfortable again. Um, and if I feel that way, then and I do this a lot more than most people Then, like for my students or even, you know, like my high students or even my lower level students, I'm like, I got to give them time. You know, I'm also like mm-hmm. thinking I, I want to get them back. So they forget about all this, but like, mm-hmm. you just got to be willing to, for things like that to take the time that it takes. Um, mm-hmm. And not like, I mean, you're going to have to sit there and let that bone heal. But then mm-hmm. when it comes back, like, I remember when I did my first event back, off of breaking my collarbone the first time on the horse that I broke it on. I was so nervous. And I said to someone, one of my friends, I'm just so nervous to ride this horse. Like he's going great. I've been cross country schooling and there's nothing wrong, but I'm like, just so anxious. Like I don't, mm-hmm. I can, this is like real anxiety, which is unusual mm-hmm. for me. I'm not a very frightful rider. Um, and they said, well, just get in the warm up and just keep jumping the warm up jumps until you feel comfortable and then go out on course. And I was like, what? I jumped like three warm-up jumps and I go out. What do you mean? They were like, just keep jumping the warm-up jumping. jumps. Jump and mm-hmm. jump and jump. And I'm telling you, I must have jumped. The poor horse basically did two cross-country <laughs> horses. I did one course in the warm-up. But it was like, yeah, okay, I can just stay here in this warm-up. I'm at some mm-hmm. dinky event. They'll let me go out whenever I need to go out. I just stay here in this warm-up until, and just by like taking that pressure off, I was like, I'm just going to jump this stupid log until I'm like, okay, I'm okay. And it was right. like a goofy piece of advice. And I, it, but I, re- I always remember that whenever, like, I mm-hmm. think about that, my students now feeling that way, I'm like, okay, just let them jump that one jump until they feel good. Because those things you're talking about, like picking your hands up when you're afraid, or, um, you know, pulling, which is what everybody mm-hmm. does, or going too slow, or whatever, or going too fast, mm-hmm. even worse. Mm-hmm. Um, their reactions from fear, and so telling yourself not to do it is, it can work sometimes, but also mm-hmm. if it's fear making you do it, you've got to get rid of the fear in order to stop mm-hmm. you from doing the thing. So mm-hmm. sometimes the best way to get rid of fear is like repetition at a slightly easier thing than what makes you afraid. It's kind of similar. Yeah. So it works at the idea, but it's slightly easier. So that's kind of, mm-hmm. I think the best way to like help your students or yourself sort of move past that sort sort of like fear that's linked to bad riding that's linked mm-hmm. to the bad thing that whatever originally happened. Yeah. And like the other thing that feels like it attaches to that too. I mean, this is why this is such a good, I think, conversation for people to hear is the, the judgment that comes along with that fear, the judgment that comes along with slowing it down or like, you know, like I got to get back out there and I got to do that at that thing and be brave or else I'm, you know, useless or nobody else knows what this like is like, I can't show that, you know, like you're, you're really 
saying like giving people permission to just take exactly. the time that it takes just slow down I think that's like potentially my job point blank as a coach is like mm-hmm. giving students permission to not be angry with themselves when it's not going the way they want yeah. it to go or you know taking longer time at a lower level or or you know whatever the thing that they need to hear it's like me being like it's okay that's not great mm-hmm. we need to be better but it's like that's okay let's 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 try yeah. it again like that's it's it's not actually like oh you need more right leg or less of this rain like that's part of it but yeah. a lot of it it's just like permission to not be you know riding around like boyd martin which we're not gonna yeah. be or philip you know these like super brave super mm-hmm crazy riders like it's a we can go at this at a different angle and with a different pace and that's fine too actually yeah it you got to do it your own way you know it's not going to work if you try and do it their way because you're not them yeah yeah 100 percent. i mean i think that's the like that it's funny that you say that i it's kind of like i journal a lot like i just like to scribble things down to get them out of my head and like one of the things that i was really thinking about a lot lately and I've read it in a few different places is like basically trying to figure out like who you are who like who am I as a writer what like who am I not because we are always saying who we want to be you know like I want to be like that and I want to be this good and I want to be the best in the world and blah 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 blah. but it's like okay if you can figure out who you are where are your strengths what can you do like like for me, I'm not the bravest rider in the world at all, but I really like working on technique and I like repetition and I like understanding the technique and the plot. And like that is, and if I'm going too fast or I'm too nervous to think about that stuff, or at least have a clear plan, that tends to be when I get into trouble, when I try to be the person that can, that just wings it and goes out there and it's like no big deal. You know, like no. that's definitely not who I am, but I've tried to be that person at times. Right. Cause I'm like, well, they look like they're so laid back and cool. Yeah. And I want to be laid back and cool. I need to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This and then I'm like, I'm not <laughs> yeah, laid back and cool. Um, you know, which is, is, is so tough. Um, and speaking of that, like, you know, you're around that, like Boyd and Philip all the time and Ryan, the same thing. Like, do you think that there's something different? Like, do you think it's a a guy girl thing? Do you think it's a a culture thing? What do you think? I mean, are they genuinely that brave and bold? No, No, I think it's, I think for those of you that are just listening and not watching Lillian, shaking her head. Um, I mean, I definitely think they're cooler cats than I am and um, probably a bit braver. Um, But I think that all the internalizing, overthinking, you know how like we're like constantly overthinking, should I be doing this with my heart? Should I be doing that? Like, is this the right move? What's the next event? They're thinking, they're doing all that. Well, I don't know. I don't, Mm -hmm. I can't say about Philip. Philip might Mm -hmm. actually just be that cool. But uh, (laughs) I definitely know that they're like putting as much overthinking anxiety into they just it just doesn't come out like it maybe just comes out in a different way um Mm -hmm. um i mean maybe not to the degree i you and i do but um i think it just looks different but it's all Mm -hmm. very similar you know like like there's just as much sort of stress worry overthinking going into it because 
there's so many ways yeah. this this can go wrong with these horses you know like mm-hmm. you get them shot on the wrong day you miss the event or you you know um do a jump school on the wrong day it was too muddy and you your horse loses its confidence like so many little ways where you can be like god i should have done that differently yeah that the longer you do it the more you become these like overthinking stressed out <laughs> yeah. fighter because you're like yeah. it's gone wrong these 15 different ways i bet there yeah. are 15 other ways it could go wrong i don't even know about <laughs> i i want to prevent it like i want to prevent yeah. it you know yeah so there's no i don't want to learn the lesson the hard way again <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. that's what i said that to boyd before my last five star at Maryland. I said, it's not that I want to prevent doing the thing I've done wrong the last, you know, at the, all the other ones, like don't, you know, lean at this jump or don't, you know, ride the dress. wrong. I'm like, I know I won't do those things. I want to think of the thing that I'm about to do wrong. And like, what am I doing? <laughs> so how do I do that? How do I do that? Forget like avoiding all my past pitfalls. I'm crazy enough. I'm going to avoid them. I think about them all the time. I'm going to make sure I avoid those ones. It's like, what about that one I haven't done yet that I'm about to do? How do I avoid that? <laughs> and how did Boyd answer that? <laughs> he said, that is what you need to do. Like, he's like, I can't like these. He said it back to me a couple of times. He's like, you got to think about, you got to think about everything that can go wrong. And you've got to, you've got to like plan, like do it before it goes wrong. And I'm like, I know how. <laughs> I know what I need to do, but how do I do it? Yeah. But that's the trick. I mean, when you ride at, at that level, like, shoot, it's hard to, you can't, you know, you, you can't yeah. always get it right. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's um and to be able to be aware I mean that it's a certain responsibility I mean to to you know whether you're jumping you know I mean I think about it more and more now like whether you're jumping even novice or training like and you're an amateur or young rider like it is a responsibility to take the lessons to be around the people to be as good as you can be because like you are jumping jumps you are taking you know like a horse and yourself and your family, you know, when I was on the way to the hospital this time, I just felt like such a sense, not fear, but like, I feel, I felt all these responsibilities. Like I just, I feel like, you know, my family and my business and my poor husband is, you know, like I was pregnant for, you know, two years, it felt like, and then, you know, he had to pick up the slack during that time. And then I'm just back and, you know, and now I'm off for another bit, just all these little responsibilities. And, um, you know, one of the main things I, I'm like, I have to, um, you know, that's when I started thinking about being around a coach all the time again. You know, I was like that when I was in, in my early twenties and now, you know, I'm far away from that. And I'm like, I need to be around someone all the time so that, like you said, there's mistakes that I am about to make that maybe somebody else will see, you know, like totally. somebody else will see it before I do it, you know? And it's not like I want to like not be able to do things by myself, but I just, I want to make sure I'm doing my due diligence, you know, and taking care of these responsibilities so that there's, I'm at a smaller risk, you know, there's always risk, but just a small, does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think, like you said, it's really easy to get into the routine of your day and taking more lessons messes up that routine. Like for me, it's Mm -hmm. like, well, I won't be able to teach those seven students I need to teach in the afternoon if I go take a lesson. But I, Ryan and I, at the beginning of this year, kind of made a plan together like we have got to take more lessons like 
we are not close to good enough, like period. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. we're not going to get there on our own. You know, like somebody, somebody out there needs to help us get there. A lot of people out there. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's just like being like, okay, I'm going to push myself, make myself a little uncomfortable driving the longer distances to the riding lessons or hosting the clinic or whatever it is Mm -hmm. just to, I mean, we just all need to be better. Like not just, not just me or you or my lower level students or my higher level students. Like there is, there's no one that's learned at all. That's the the sport. That's why it's so hard. Um, And like, look, if you're like, I only have a budget to take one lesson a week. Like that's fine too. Like it's expensive. Mm -hmm. That's part of the problem. Um, But if there's a way to get more help, I mean, that's, I've been trying really hard this year to, to actually yeah. do that. Like whenever I'm struggling with something, be like, go get somebody to help you because you're, yeah. could maybe find it, figure it out on your own, but um, you p- probably won't get the whole thing figured out yeah. on your own. And it probably won't be so painful. Somebody else can just tell you how to do it. You know? And you know what? <laughs> just the bottom line is when you're riding in front of somebody else, you ride better, period. So yeah. if nothing else, getting in front of people more often is going to make you ride better more often. You ride better more yeah. often. It becomes habit. It becomes habit. It happens under stress and stress yeah. is the competition. And that's the key because if it's only happening every once in a while and not easily, it's not going to happen at the show because it only yeah. goes to, at the show. Like you ride your worst at the show because you're stressed mm-hmm. out. So yeah. that's kind of the like thought process for me. Yeah. We, um, we had a guy out here uh, do a clinic that's pretty cool guy named Josh Nickel. And he talks about like, like threshold. And, you know, a lot of people think about that just like a line, like it's just a place where you hit threshold, or then you've gone beyond threshold. And he talks about it like a space, like a space you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And the more you can kind of push yourself to operate in within that threshold, like that's where the learning is, right. And that's a little bit like, there's no way, you know, I I have so many students say this to me, like, oh, I just want to go this level until it's boring. And I'm like, I could go novice all day. And I still honestly really am not bored. Like, I'm still thinking about it. Like, I still, when I go to a horse show, I'm like, okay, I'm not bored. But I'm okay with a certain level of discomfort. You know, I can still operate in it. And, but, but like you said, like needing to create spaces or that, that um, uncomfortableness at home or under lessons or when people are watching. So you get used to operating with a certain amount of stress. And then you can start to recognize when it's like out of the ballpark of too much stress, I can't handle that. And that's, you know, when things normally go pretty wrong. Um, But figuring it it gets so comfortable at home if you're by yourself. And you know, you're like, I'm winning gold medals. Look at me. I mean, there's no one here looking at me, but I'm doing it. (laughs) You know, like, yeah, just creating that type of thing. And there's, you know, I, we, Ian Woodhead was down here teaching dressage lessons and I'm sure it's like anybody up there. I mean, they're astronomically expensive, but it was, I sat over there for a couple of the extra rides and it was such a a good lesson. Like you can watch for free all day long, you know, and you can, that's, that's another thing. Like if you can scrape up the money to go to the clinic, you know, so many people I feel like go to riding clinics, like you teach a lot of clinics. I teach a lot of clinics. Somebody will come for their one lesson and then they leave for the rest of the day. And there's literally 24 other people with 24 different horses. So much learning goes on in the day that if you can hang out, if you spent that 350 bucks to do that clinic, if you can stay for the rest of the day and like be selfish in that, because that's, 
that's what it feels like. It, it, you know, you can make up. I, I do it all the time. You have all these excuses, all these reasons. I don't have the money. I don't have the time. I've got to go teach this. I've got to do that. But like, even if it's one day a week or one day a month or something where it's just like, I am, will just work that extra bit, you know, to totally. get it, to get it like, done, to get that learning. I think there's like, I learned obviously a lot taking lessons from really good people, but I feel like mm-hmm. I learn from teaching too. Like yeah. I'm yeah. working through a problem with the student and I can't figure it out. And then we figure something out. I'm like, yes, that's, I'm going to apply that to my horse. Like I, yeah. I get, I get a lot from teaching my students. And so like, I mean, even if you couldn't afford to take more lessons, like what about, you know, asking the pony club if they need any help teaching their kids, like go teach too. I mean, yeah. yeah. Every level of rider can help another level of rider. Go watch people ride, go watch your friends ride, go, you know, watch, mm-hmm youtube videos i mean there's there's like so many avenues for improvement that we all don't do because we're trying to live our lives too but um yeah you know like we've we've everyone who you know and i know and anyone anyone that's listening to this has sacrificed so much already to be riding these horses like there's no question about that so if you've gone this far like let's, <laughs> let's, let's go let's all do it take, take this as far as it can go or like at least as far enough that you're you know you're happy with the result like you're like yeah. hey i'm getting better this week like that's all we want yeah. we all just want to get a little bit better like maybe not even this week but this month like i got a little yeah. bit better this month, or i learned that one thing um like that's what we are all trying to do yeah yeah and it's hard to do sometimes yeah and I, and that's, I was talking to another professional the other day and I felt too bad for her because she just had a, she just had a hard time with a kind of a going horse that's developed a little bit of a stopping problem. And, you know, she said, I know it's going to sound bad, but I just feel like I'm never going to make it. And I was like, oh girl, like you're not like we, we never no make it. There's no place called making it. You know, oh. I was like, if you're still looking for that, <laughs> that's the problem, you know? And it's like, once you kind of wrap your head around, there is no making it that it's all about like what you just said, like just getting a bit better and about the learning and like trying to, you know, like wrap your head around that. And then there's a kind of, there's a lesson in everything. And as hard as it is to like swallow at times, you know? <laughs> like, um, but it, yeah, the learning part of it just has to be, has to be there. So was there, you know, you talked about some tough balls. I mean, was there anything ever that you, you really kind of were like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to, you know, get through this, like, or it just like the same thing. It just slowly kind of went away. There's definitely been like some horses that I've thought, I don't know if I am going to be brave to ride this horse again, Um, which actually was never the case. Like there's not one I've like been like, I mean, I would have given up long before I was at an event with them. Like if they're, bu- right. I don't sit a buck very well. So if they're like buckers, I like give up on that. <laughs> I'm like, who, who wants to ride a buck? Like, Which is unfortunate because there are actually some really good horses that also yeah. have a buck, but that's not for me. Um, <laughs> but there have been moments where I will be like, I've never thought, I don't know if I want to. Uh, okay. Let me rephrase. There are definitely moments where I thought, do I want to do this anymore? But it's not from yeah. fear. It's like from like, exhaustion and like yeah. disappointment you know like yeah god, do it like yeah. like like falling at badminton you know like god 
how many more times can you screw up out of five star? Do I really <laughs> want to do this anymore? Like that's yeah. I feel. And then of course yeah. I'm like, yeah, of course you want to do it. But that yeah. it's like the disappointment that gets me down. The fear part mm-hmm. that is like for me that's very horse. So I'll be like, do I want to ride this horse anymore? Right. And then I just go, well, let's let's back right up. Let's jump. Let's jump small jumps. Let's go down a level, and then and then I'll decide. And then I always just like get over it, you know. Mm-hmm. So I want to circle back to that because I think you said a couple of really interesting things there. One of them that you kind of glazed over, but I think is really important is you said that your fear sometimes is associated with a horse, and that is something that is so interesting because obviously, like you're fortunate I'm fortunate we, we've ridden and get to ride a lot of different horses so we understand what it is to ride a horse that you're not fearful of whereas where I found where people have said I'm really scared I'm a lot of times I'm like well you should be you yeah. know like that like I would be scared you know the amount of times I've had to stop and think would I ride this horse and then I'm like no like I oh. you know it's not the horse is nervous or it's underprepared or it's not athletic um you know so I think that's a really big point for people that are struggling with fear is to really ask themselves, are they appropriately mounted, you know, and then that's a whole other, you know, podcast on how and which we should do um, about (laughs) appropriate matches. And then how to like, if you recognize that it's not the right match, then how to get out of it, because it's pretty easy to be like, well, I can't afford anything else. I can't do this. There's always a way out of it. Like I've had a few on the chopping block this week. There's always a way out of it. (laughs) Um. So I think that is a really valid point. And then like talk a little bit more about what you were just saying. Cause I thought that was pretty cool. Like, or a very real, it's like almost, if you have a fall, it's like the straw almost that breaks the camel's back. If everything else isn't working, you know? Right. Like if it's just too much, um, for all kinds of reasons, you know, too much money, I can't be putting all this money into this or all the time, or, you know, I, all these other responsibilities, kids and, you know, um, work or school. And I was feeling like it was too much anyway. And then I had a bad fall or Mm. maybe it's just the source is naughty and it scares me every day. Like those two things together, that is what causes fear to stop Mm. your riding. But I always Mm -hmm. tell my students when they're ever sort of in this place, because young people kind of get to this place pretty easily. They have a lot of responsibility um, they get stressed out They're They have to make this choice. What do they want to do with their life? You know, um, right. we actually, I remember that. And I, I mean, I, I count myself in a luxurious position t- to at least know, you know, like mm-hmm. half the battle is like them not knowing. So I think they get to this place a lot or I, every one of my students gets to it at some point where they're like, do I really want to do this? Mm-hmm. And that's coupled with, I also fell off or I'm going to level that kind of scares the crap out of me, maybe because mm-hmm. the horse is not suitable or whatever. Um, right. And I always try so hard to go, okay, if you want to be done because you're done, you're not into it enough to warrant how much work it work and time mm-hmm. and money. Fine. Like I want you to be done because I know what it takes to keep going. Yeah. And there's no point in putting it in if you're going to stop at some point anyway. But if it's fear, can we just like, go a couple more months and see if that clears itself up. And if the other problems go away too, like I don't, I never want, I never want my students to quit because they had the horses scare them. You know, it's like, well, let's just let me, cause I can work them out. Right. I know, I know how to do that. I've done it a million mm-hmm. times, but like if they want to stop because they, 
because it's this is not what don't want to do it like yeah stop like I hate the idea that anybody would feel like you know it's like so there's this I went to college a very long time I don't took an economics course and if anybody's listening is an econ major and I butcher this I don't care and you're gonna roll with me on this (laughs) but there's this um I remember learning this and I think about it all the time there's this theory I think it's called the sunk cost theory I remember the way they taught it was that um like there's let's say you're at the grocery store and you're waiting in waiting in a line and you realize the line next to you is moving way quicker and if you switched over to it you would be able to check out quicker but there's this like human nature that's like i gotta stay in this line like i picked this line and i'm staying in this line even though the other one would be a quicker line it's like this like it's a sunk cost it's done imagine you're starting fresh again which line is quicker like that is a sunk cost <laughs> So yeah. like with horses, like what you, I think so often people are like, I put so much into it. This is, this goes mm. to the whole theory of, you know, moving on from a horse when a horse isn't right. on it anymore. Like I put so much into it. I can't, I can't back away now. It's like, no, that is a sunk cost. Like let's start yeah. from here. What's, what's your best way moving forward? Is it not riding anymore? Is it getting a new horse? Is it taking a break? It doesn't matter. Like it, everything that came before has already happened and it's it's gone like using that to tell yourself well yeah. i better keep at it like i mean there's certainly look anybody who knows me or rides with me it's like all about like pushing through tough things like that's horses yeah and i don't want to encourage people not to do that but um i do think letting fear stop you or like thinking mm-hmm. riding is dangerous um i i would be yeah. hesitant to let that take effect Stop you know? yeah yeah 100% I think that that's actually really that's really interesting and I would I'm gonna hang on to that because I would find myself doing that a lot like you put so much into something and it's like when do you call it you know like when are you just like just let it go you exactly know, like, just think about that grocery <laughs> no. store line I think about that grocery store line I think about that at the grocery store okay <laughs> My problem is, is that if whenever I go and get in the other line, that line stops moving. Oh my god! <laughs> like, I, no kidding. It's more complicated than that econ one hundred and one textbook make it sound. So what I want to do, we always wrap our show. I I think I sent you these questions. Um, is that we always wrap our show with these five questions, and um, they're a little bit get to we get to know a little bit more about you. So if you're ready for these questions, I'll start running through them. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. What is the biggest lesson a horse has taught you about yourself? So um, when I was probably like seven years old, seven or eight, I did this. uh, I was riding my horse, Motto. That was my first horse in a jumper show that was at our barn. So all our barns jumps. And there was this um, jump at the end of the course that you could either choose to jump or choose to not jump. You couldn't win if you didn't jump it, but you could, you know, place. But in order to win, to get the maximum um, points, you had to jump this bogey fence. And on this day, it had a Liverpool underneath of it. And um, Mato did not jump Liverpools. He had never jumped one. I think we'd attempted multiple times, never succeeded on this Liverpool, okay? And I did this jump, and I as so I walked the course, I'm like, can't do it. It's the Liverpool. Mato doesn't jump the Liverpool. Like, that's fine. I'm not doing it. Well, what do you know? I finished jump number six, you know, the end of the course. And like, I could not help myself. I remember being like, I just, 
I got to try it. So I come around that turn. I line up. I sit back. I put my leg on. And Mato stops at that jump. And I fall <laughs> off. I go crashing into it. And I lose. You know, like I fall off. Yeah. And I completely obliterate any of my chances of winning the schooling jumper show at my, by my boarding bar. <laughs> and I got to tell you, I remember that. And I think about it all the time. Because not all the time. But it, whenever I'm like, God, why are you doing this to yourself, Lillian? Like, why are you going to badminton? You know, why are you going to <laughs> This is madness. Like, you're, this is crazy. And it's like, you're that kid that took motto at the Liverpool when you knew you'd never <laughs> jump because there was a chance you could win, you know? So that horse on that day taught me, like, who I was as a rider. And yeah. every time it's, like, really hard to be that person, like, when you go to badminton and fall off. Yeah. Um, it's also, like, that's what can lead to success sometimes or makes mm -hmm. me even able to do this sport at all. Um, so that's, that like, yeah, that's me. And I just, it's good and it's bad and it's a lot of things, but it, he taught me that in that horrible moment. I love that. I love that. But that goes back to what we were talking about earlier, like figuring out who you are and you have a like defining moment where you're like, that's who I am. Who and I am. In that moment when you're like, why you're like, because that's who I am, and you yeah, feel really exactly. connected to that. That's that's real. That gives and me it makes it that's okay really cool. that you like went and tried the really hard thing and failed at it because you're like, yeah. this is who you are, you know. And that's yeah. a good thing too. It just can sometimes hurt too. <laughs> <laughs> then you just try again. <laughs> try again. Try better. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, do you have a, tra a favorite training or competition mantra that you reference regularly? So this was funny because I couldn't think of one. So Ooh. I asked my students, I was like, guys, do I say something like over and over again? Or like, that's like a Lillianism. And <laughs> they like couldn't think of it either. And they were like, well, I don't know. Like you're just always saying like, you know, I feel like the thing you say the most is like, that's okay. That's okay. C come again. And I thought about it. I thought that is like what I say the most, you know, when you have a bad jump or a miss yeah. or you try a shoulder in and you just wobbling all up and down the long side. <laughs> You know, that's the first thing I go, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Let's come again. It's sort of like, yeah. that's what they need to hear. If I'm like, no, nah, yeah. that's not good enough. I know they're going to yank on the horse or be angry with themselves. And like, that's mm -hmm. so counterproductive. So like my first line of defense is, that's okay. You made a mistake. <laughs> it wasn't good enough. Let's try this again. again. You know? So I think that's yeah. my mantra. That's okay. That's okay. I it's love that. Much, but yeah. it's okay. <laughs> but I also think, you know, I think that's one of those things when we were talking earlier about, you know, like, the guys and the girls and how they, you know, how their fear or their craziness comes out. I think that we are so much harder on, like, we're just in, we have seven strides of, Oh shit, that was horrible. I'm a bad person. Right. I'm never going to get this right. And then it just, the more time we waste on that, the further we're getting away from the solution. Whereas like, totally. if you just like, that's okay. And then just back at it, you know, yeah. It's if I, my, my biggest job at that moment for, my students and I probably need to apply this to myself is like, move on, move on. Okay. Yeah. Harping on that. I'll, I'll tell you what you need to know out of that situation, but it's okay. Like, yeah, you're going to get it right. Come, come again, try again. You know, mm -hmm. the, the like screaming, it, it just does not work for most people. Yeah. There are yeah. definitely some moments where I'm like, do better right now. <laughs> but that's rare for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Um, all right. Is there a piece of advice someone gave you along the way that you still reference today? 
You know, that was a hard one because, um, like, I've gotten so much good advice mm -hmm. from so many people and not even, like, big, you know, life-changing advice. Just, like, little pieces of advice, which I never forget and hold on to and then think about, like, the sunk cost theory and economics yeah. we were yeah. talking about earlier. Um, but, you know, like, Boyd, who, as my coach, is always given you know he's a talker so you get you get advice from that guy all the time um right from the beginning and I, maybe i already knew this and maybe this was going to be me anyway but you know he told all of us and i think he's told every person that's ever worked for him that like the most important thing that you need in riding is like not skill or talent or money or all the other things that are great to have but it's just like that like hard work mentality grit i'll just keep going until it gets better type of mm -hmm. and sometimes that's not going to be there but um whether he put that in me or, or jan who totally was like super influential and like putting that into me as a kid like you're gonna work harder whether it was my mom i don't know but um they've all everybody's told you that you know, right? Mm -hmm. Anybody you work for, mm -hmm. mostly because they want you to keep mocking their souls, but also because yeah. it's <laughs> pretty critical yeah. uh, to be successful. Um, and it's it's what's gotten me into this, and it's what's going to get me out of it. You know, like keep going is like that. Like mm -hmm. it's okay. You're maybe you're not quite good enough today, or you don't have that skill or whatever. But like, just put your head down and keep working and you'll figure that one out and then you'll realize you don't have some other skill you didn't even know about back then yeah. keep working at it. you know that like never give up basically mentality yeah. and that's what they've all that's what they've all taught me mm -hmm. all these people yeah. that give me very good advice yeah yeah no it it is that's tried and true it's just and it's not like even these massive steps sometimes you're like climbing you know like you're just one step dragging through the mud but you just got to keep like, I'll just do this the other side of it. Yeah. yeah. Like, what problem yeah. have you not been able to solve? Yeah. The one that you have right now. Yeah. But, like, what old problem yeah. have you not been able to solve? Like, you get through it all. Unfortunately, you get a whole new host of them. Like, it's never mm -hmm. ending with what we do. Mm -hmm. um, but you, you can, you just got to, like, keep at it. I um, was reading this book that on the podcast with Tammy Smith, she recommended Relentless. Have you read that? No, is it good? It's yeah, it's actually it's really really good. But he talks about it that there are like in his visit there are no problems. They're just situations. Like everything yeah. is just a situation, you know. Like which I loved. It was like okay, if it's just a situation, then you don't feel like you have to waste any time going. Oh man, this problem or take it so personally. It's just like situation. It's got to be solved, and we've got to work through it. As opposed to it being a problem, you know. Like it, you just solve it and move on. And there's so much. Like that will, there will be never ending amounts of situations and you just keep looking for enough knowledge from the people around you or grab it from lessons you've had previously so that you have the tools that you need to solve each situation. It's just like totally never ending. And yeah. if you ever get to the point where you're like, is this like, is this one fixable? I mean, this is a really big one, which we like think all the time. This is a really big problem. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, like, I like to just think back on things that I, I struggled with before and thought could never get better. Like, yeah, Barnaby running at fences, you know, like, is he just always going to be like this? And like, it did get better. Like, I had to put yeah. 10 years into that. 
Like, that, was long, that was a long, that was me playing a long time on that one. But, um, like, each person individually has that thing that they figured their way through. It's like, think back to that. Remember how that felt? And then be like, okay, yeah. I can do that to this one too. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, totally. I, that Tick and I do that to each other a lot. Even if it's a, like, like, I'm sure you guys do this too, where you'll have like a day and it's just great. Like, you're just like, I... I'm so lucky. Like I ride horses, the sun is shining. We're in the best place in the world. I'm so happy. And in when, whenever either of us are like that, we're just like, just remember this feeling because there's, you know, then the next day you're like, this is awful. We have no money. I can't pay the bills. I don't know what's happening. Why are we doing this? Like, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then you just remember, like, I've had this feeling before and I will get the other right. feeling again. And it will just, it will just keep in this hamster wheel. <laughs> totally. And it's like, like, just remember this moment. <laughs> I don't think that, and this is another thing I think, I don't think that's like totally unique to um, yeah. like our, like, I think everyone doing whatever they do is like, this is totally. awful. This is good. This is awful. Like that yeah. is human nature. So like, just totally. roll with that. Like, it's not yeah. just horses, it's anything that you choose to do. Yeah. So like, sometimes that makes me feel better. I'm like, yeah, you know, this is just awful. Like I, I'm freezing yeah. cold and I can't run, I fell off. And I went to an event and just performed mediocre, mediocre on every horse. <laughs> Six is across the board. <laughs> worst. It's not even falling off, it's just like mediocre is the worst. Um, but then you're like, you know what? Whoever these other people that are doing these other jobs, they oh my god, we have a weed my weed whackers here. Okay, <laughs> you can't, they can't really hear <laughs> um, Anyways, sorry. The uh, but like they're everybody's going through these feelings, whether they're horse riders or whatever. So yeah. like that's it's okay to feel that way because we're all doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um Okay. What do you do when you are seeking inspiration? Okay. This actually loops into what, something I was just saying, I can't remember, (laughs) but um, whenever I am like worried about something or not sure I can do something, like, should I go to this event or um, can I even jump that? You know, like sometimes when you walk a course and you're like stressing about that one combination or a dress up, you know, you got to ride this horse. It's not very good at, on the flat. You got to do this dressage test. I like always think back on a time where I did that well. Like, let's say the combination on the course is a really hard right corner. I'll always be like, okay, what really hard right corner have I done? Okay, what? Oh, yeah. You know what? Three shows ago, there was that really hard right corner out of that water. And I like mm-hmm. remember doing it. I'm like, okay, I did that. I'll be fine. Or, yeah. you know, God, I hate doing dressage on Barnaby. He can get so nervous. And then I remember that test at, you know, Kentucky, the one year where he was yeah. relaxed. I was like, okay, I remember that. That's all really good. Yeah. Sometimes I'll even pull it up on video to like, be like, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Like basically finding, even if it's not on that horse, like a different horse where you did that kind of idea well. Thing. Um, like that can get me like being like, I can do that. Like, I just need to know that I can do it. Maybe I won't mm-hmm. do it that day, but if I'm like, get my head around that I know what is possible, mm-hmm. then I feel like I'm like halfway there. You know, I just have to create yeah. the realm of possibility. Have you had an experience or an adversity separate from horses in your life that you feel has directly influenced you as a horseman? Um, that question also like gave me some serious pause because 
um, I like read it and I was like reading it. I'm like, I, separate from the horses. <laughs> I don't understand. Like, <laughs> I'm like, when was even a time where anything in your life was separate from the horses? <laughs> like, I literally can't even think of, like, when I was in high school, there were maybe some situations that were separate from the horses. Like, my life is so horses, <laughs> ingrained, you know, like, deep down, everything to do with them, like, anything that even doesn't have to do with horses like I mean they're coming from being on a horse or going to get on one like um like the question itself was sort of like disturbing for me because I couldn't that even, question that's I couldn't the make, adversity I couldn't even answer the question yeah I was like this this is so crazy like my life is so horses that um most there's very little of it that is outside of the horses and almost all of that is not adversity you know it's like the non-horse stuff is good but but what I did just like scramble my brain to think of is um this is an adversity but like I have a really good family and really good friends that I um have you know like maintained great relationships with and been through things with and like that sort of like dedication and loyalty to people that I think comes from my family um mm -hmm. like is a very good trait to put towards your horses you know like yeah. um loyalty to a horse or a program or um you know a goal like I'm this is not always easy but like I'm like this is what I'm doing these are my people this is my horse I'm gonna I'm going to like keep working towards this. And I, so I think kind of like my outside of horses life, which is really only my family and some friends mm -hmm. has like influenced my horse life in the sense that it's sort of like taught me to have like long lasting relationships that are bigger and more important than whatever I need to do that day, you know, and like mm -hmm. thinking big picture, if that makes mm -hmm. any sense at all. Yeah. But yeah, basically answering totally any does. question about any part of my life that doesn't have to do with horses was nearly impossible. <laughs> Just That's disturbing. the biggest but problem of my life for, so far. Thanks for giving me that little <laughs> disturbing nugget. That, but it's interesting that you said that because before we got on this call, it, you know, when I was doing a little uh, think tanking about what we should chat about, one of the things was like, what what is that extra thing that makes you you? And what you know, separates you from everyone else. And that's for everyone. Like nobody is the same as anybody else, but the people that can connect with the genuine them seems to like, seem to thrive. And I think you just probably hit the nail on the head for you. What separates you and has you thriving in this sport is that like the business that you've developed because you have good relationships, the long, yeah. like, I mean, the horses that you've gone top, top levels with you've had for like their whole lives, you know, right. and it's gotten better and better and better. And your coaches, you know, all of that sort of thing. Like you, you know, your people, you keep your people, you're very loyal. And I think people get then return that back to you, if that makes sense. Like, it totally. seems like that's a real big part of who Lillian is. And you've connected yeah. with that in a really good way. Yeah, that's, that's cool, cool. Actually, I, I like the way you turned it back at me better. It sounds a little bit more clear. <laughs> 
and like a good answer. So. <laughs> well, who I am is a talker. Yeah. I, I would like say that's probably true. Around. <laughs> um, oh, that is really cool. Well, this has been awesome, Lillian. We've actually been on the phone three and a half hours with the back and forth with all of the yes. um, tech, technical debacles that hopefully our our listeners won't have sat in silence with us through (laughs) we're gonna go that that's not who Lillian is thank god thank god it's not actually live because this would be a horrible (laughs) she is not gonna be the one to call for your geek squad I can't I cannot that is a real problem that is not that is a solution I cannot fix (laughs) Um, well this has been awesome I'll let you carry on with your Sunday afternoon and um, this has been really really fun and best of luck up in Canada have yourself some poutine and strawberry beer and all that sort of thing and we will be following from stateside all right thank you so much thanks I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. Before you go, I just want to let you know more about Ride IQ. At its core, Ride IQ gives everyone access to instruction from the best equestrian coaches in the world. It might sound impossible, but with Ride IQ, you get access to the private mobile app that has hundreds of on-demand, listen-while-you-ride audio lessons taught by top riders and coaches in eventing, hunter jumpers, and dressage. Here's how it works. You look through the app and choose a lesson based on your horse or a skill you're working on. There are lessons for green off-the-track thoroughbreds and nervous horses and horses that are behind the leg, as well as lessons that teach every stage of skills like shoulder in or trot lengthenings. Then you tack up and press play and you have a top coach like Doug Payne or Leslie Law or Gina Smith in your ear guiding you every step of the way. If you enjoyed today's episode, it is always appreciated if you can take a moment to share the podcast with your friends and family and leave a review on your podcast app. The best way to support the podcast is to become a Ride IQ member at ride-iq.com. And when you do, we hope you're excited to see that InStride is just one of multiple podcast shows on the app, including half chats, conversations with coaches, and more. And lastly, I wanted to let you know that our friends over at Major League Eventing also have a podcast. And if you enjoyed this show, I think you would also really enjoy their show. Just search for the Major League Eventing podcast in your podcast app and give it a listen. 